Merkel Media. Hey everybody, before we get into this week's show, I just want to let you know that Expedition Dogman is now exclusively available on Merkel.media. You can go ahead and purchase it or rent it right there on Merkel.media. If you're one of those people that have been looking to get it, go ahead and get it now right there. Merkel.media, Expedition Dogman. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long, bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave, and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast, and spears... Dan holds him up like this. Somebody else, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow this head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touched air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Yeah. Welcome to the show, everybody listening to The Confessionals. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me. Just get a hold of me. If you want to hear more shows on a weekly basis, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the join button and become a member. There you'll get access to all the Thursday bonus shows for members only, plus the Tuesday shows ad-free and access to all the overtime content right there on the website and the Casto app. So if that interests you, hit theconfessionalspodcast.com, smack that join button and become a member today. All right, friends, listen, before we get into today's show, I want to talk to you about preparewiththeconfessionals.com. Preparewiththeconfessionals.com. There you can get yourself emergency supply, food, and survival gear. The food will last you up to 25 years on the shelf, and that is a great deal, especially for today. And not to mention, they are running a huge sale right now. You're going to save over $200 on your purchase of three months supply. So if that interests you, go ahead, check it out. Preparewiththeconfessionals.com. All right, today we have Christopher Garantano on the show, and he is the one who produced, edited, directed, filmed everything, the Montauk Chronicles, the hit Montauk Chronicles. And he comes on today to talk about the development of that program and much, much more. We go down a lot of rabbit holes in this conversation. And actually, to be honest with you, I didn't expect it. And he was actually quite the pleasure to talk to. And I really hope you enjoyed this conversation as well. Let's get to Christopher right now. All right. Today we have Christopher Garantano on the show. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me today. So listen, man, uh, I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, holding conversation with me. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity before we even get into the topics of what we're going to get into today. I want to give you an opportunity to kind of promote yourself. Now, you're somebody, uh, you've done TV work and you've been in the industry a long time and you've been diving into these uh, weird topics and stuff. And you and I were just having a little bit of a conversation and it seems like you're similar in the vein as me where you enjoy the independence of uh, being able to create stuff independently. So I know you're doing a lot of new stuff for yourself, including your podcast. So uh, let the people know about some of the projects you're working on right now. Yeah. So I, you know, previously I've made things um, for television, network television, executive producing, hosting and directing stuff. And, um, but before that, and for life, I'm a guerrilla filmmaker and I believe in that. I believe in um, presentations with a vision, no matter the collaboration is all the people working with you. 
and everyone has a particular position, they should focus on it. But I think every good project in history has had a visionary or two or three visionaries working together. But it couldn't, I don't think it can be made by 15 people trying to think in the same direction. So, um, you know, off to the witches that it's all arcane subjects that I've been interested in since I was a kid. And I like finding people who haven't been interviewed before. You know, I, 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 I could get people that have been interviewed a thousand times and much more famous people than I've had on the show. But I think it's so much better for the audience to listen to a fresh perspective, new stories, things that people have experienced. And this is stuff that I'm genuinely interested in. So as you know, you know, your show is fantastic and it's your curiosity. That's the greatest thing about it. It's what you're curious about. And the audience is probably most likely curious of the same thing. So I get into everything from, I interviewed the, um, the grandson of Anton LaVey, who created Satanism, to uh, Stephen Bissett, uh, who drew Swamp Thing for DC Comics on the second run with Alan Moore. You know, and, and instead of just having him, pardon me, <clears throat> instead of just having him plug Swamp Thing again, we talked about what it was like when he was a kid and what informed that, that really textured artwork. So he talked about going outside as a kid and turning over rocks and looking at the the bugs and the eggs of insects and now you can see that in his work you go back and look at that but the way he tells the story is fantastic it's you know it's not it's not some boring high school biology class like this is a guy who went out and did some weird stuff in the woods and put it into that work that you know that drove everyone crazy and so off to the witch is that it's it's out into the arcane into the bizarre into the weird and it doesn't particularly have to be paranormal stuff it, there's a lot of that in there but i i want to know about what real people have experienced and i think that ghost hunters are interesting but i'd rather know what informed them to want to do that so i get into it personally um and then a little bit of old radio in there there's some story time in the beginning and, you know there's a vibe to it and a style uh and i try to keep it audibly only because i save the uh, the visual version called off to the witch presents it's my new docuseries um that's that's what i think i can bring the audience to a location and they can see it and experience what we talk about in the show and uh just trying different things because again when you have full control and you do over your stuff it's just so much better it just is instead of having a committee try and tell you what's interesting and i i sat down with some you know some interesting people you know the former president of MTV wanted to make a show with me just before the pandemic. Great guy. But you're sitting down with this committee and they slowly say, we're going to do this. But they slowly start diluting every strong idea that you've had. And I don't understand the reasoning for that. And um, so I'd rather stick to my guns and, and make what's in my heart and in my, my imagination. You know, I think yeah. it's better for the audience. I did it with Strange World. and uh, But, you know, it gets quite chaotic when you're on the road for you know, eight months almost and 17 hour days. And you've got so many people chipping in, but I, I just proved that, and I'm about to show everyone that I made something for $17,000 that is of better quality than, even though it was an eight hour, uh, eight hour series uh, for $3 million, you know, uh, and it can be done. And I can tell you exactly how it can be done. Obviously you have to be sharp and you have to know what you're doing, but it can be done. Because, you know, a lot of that money doesn't, and I can tell you for certain, well, I mean, the traveling and, and putting people up and paying people salaries, but a majority of those salaries are going way above the line to people who never show up on set. And that's a huge portion, a lion's share of the, of the budget of those shows. I don't know if it's being done that way anymore because I'm looking at the quality of these shows on the networks and they're not very good. I mean, they were literally having people sitting on a couch watching youtube videos that is not a show so yeah <laughs> on that note we're going to change topics because <laughs> i might want that person as a guest on the show because i know exactly who you're talking about <laughs> uh no but in all, in all honesty i do want to change topics because i want to get into uh some of these things here now um were, were you you were the writer editor producer on montauk chronicles is that right cinematographer um built the sets and that was made 
that went into the film. Yeah, I photographed it, edited, did a lot of the post visual effects. And this was before I did anything for television. Um, and I did all of that myself. And it cost, I think, what went into the film money wise, because it was mostly equipment. And it was enough equipment to fit in the corner of this room uh, in a backpack, you know? So it wasn't expensive stuff. And mind you, that was made between the final version that anyone saw was made between um, uh, 2013 and the end of 2014. So we're just talking about DSLRs, a good one, you know? But it was, it's not what we have now. And that's what I mean by, you know, you can make, you can make exactly or better what the networks are making with the equipment at our disposal, if you know how to use it right and, and be fearless. Don't feel like you need 25 people to put up your Facebook pictures to make it look professional. The only thing that matters at the end of the day is what's on that screen and what the audience is watching. Take pride in the guerrilla nature of making your picture. And that doesn't mean you don't know what you're doing or it's going to be garbage. What I mean by guerrilla is that you're going against their rules, you know, union rules, their money distribution rules and all of that. And that's how you beat them in the end. They don't want you to beat them. That's why they're trying to recruit you. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I like you a lot. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like we could have a long coffee talk conversation. Um, so let's... Uh, with, with the with the pro, the Montauk project, uh, I think people over the years have heard a lot about it, uh, but I think it's still it's it's one of those topics. I feel like it, like Skinwalker Ranch. You and I were talking about that earlier. Um, it, it's one of those topics that I feel like you could bring it up, and it's like I heard of it, but everybody has their own idea as to what's going on with it. And uh, when when it comes to the Montauk project. Uh, what is the traditional thought as to what the Montauk project was? Because we've we've heard stories of monsters coming out of the facility to ET type stuff to government mind control things. Is it everything? What what is what? How would you define the Montauk project? As I was first introduced to it, it seemed like it was cherry picked from a lot of science fiction that I grew up watching horror films, uh, specifically uh, Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, stuff like that, Oh, Forbidden Planet. And I was like, these guys just watched these movies and tried to make a little sci-fi book. And that was my first reaction. But the thing that really made me want to, there's, there's a one more element that's juxtaposed that you mentioned to the rest of this stuff. So you've got this wacky little thin B-movie story of, time travel and heroes letting the monster from the id like in forbidden planet out to destroy this base this underground base and you have aliens and you have time travel and all these monsters that are down there different creatures from different dimensions and planets but then there's this element of boys being kidnapped beaten raped drugged how does that one fit in and that was really strange to me so and i knew some of the men that were telling the tale were elderly and I, you know, just like you, I grew up watching movies and stories of like, you know, coming across this old man that has this crazy story to tell. And I, that's what I was interested in. That's when I started the doc. I was like, that's how I'm going to start. I'm going to start with a clean slate. I have no interest whatsoever in adapting that book that came out because I felt like a lot of it was just bunk. And um, it was a very small book, the very first Montauk book. And um, I was like, this is how I'm going to start. I'm just going to start fresh, clean slate. I'm going to go interview the old man. I went to Fort Myers, Florida. I lived in New York and um, talked to this old man in his backyard. And he was telling me this crazy story. And with respect, you know, but it was weird. It was really weird to sit there with this guy who must have been an albulic, who must have been in his 80s, telling me the story essentially of three or four men who escaped this government program between 1971 and 1973. Uh, I'm sorry, in 1983. And they said that they worked there on and off. They were transported underground through a train system from something called Brookhaven Labs. So this is all the way on the very eastern tip of Long Island, New York, right on the Atlantic Ocean. It's kind of a remote town called Montauk. But in the summertime, the it's like a resort town. People go there for vacations. But five miles from town in the woods is this big sage radar station it was an air force station on record it was meant to protect the coast 
But there's a lot of odd stuff about this. And again, I learned about this gradually. But the old man told me the story that he was recruited. They were transported from Brookhaven Labs, which is farther west to towards New York City. It's like the middle of the island. And they would take that train and go underground to a facility beneath that sage radar tower in the woods. So anyone who is working topside, meaning the military that you could talk to now saying, nah, I was there, there was nothing going on. They had no idea because this base was underneath that whole thing and they had no access to it or knowledge of it whatsoever. So within that base, the claims range from there are reverse engineering of alien technology. There is time travel devices where you can travel interstellar, interdimensionally through some kind of biorhythmic technology that didn't belong to us that we reverse engineered. Uh, And then there was this other thing. And this other thing became gradually more believable to me over the years, and I can tell you why. But this other thing is um, that there were runaway kids in the suburbs of New York at the time. And again, we're going back to the 70s and the 80s. So it wasn't really easy. People, If you look at the statistics, there were so many people that disappeared during that time period, kids, right? Um, and so they saw them as easy prey, aka human subjects, to kidnap and bring down into this base for these mind control experiments. And what that was derived from, and this gets starts to get complicated, and it doesn't apply to some little time, you know, uh, sorry, some science fiction story, is that this was all derived from Nazi uh, procedures that were taken from, you know, these guys, these scientists that we absorbed in Operation Paperclip. Uh, they survived the Nuremberg trials and we took these guys and we made them into heroes, these Nazi guys who were destroying people and destroying lives and murdering people in Germany. Uh, we just took them over and said, all right, you're great. You can design rockets for us now. So allegedly, these gentlemen also had um, procedures of mind control. And they were experimenting on people during the war. And so we took those guys and they designed these procedures where human subjects were used. They were beaten. Their personalities were fractured. Their minds were destroyed so they could be rebuilt, ultimately for the purpose of them uh, doing the bidding of any trigger symbol or word that was put into their head. It's a long story. So allegedly that was happening at the basement of Montauk. So these kids were kidnapped, allegedly, brought down to the base, injected with enormous amounts of hallucinogens, beaten to the point where they were no longer themselves. And this is where another gentleman, Al Bielik is the guy I was talking about earlier who I interviewed in the backyard. I went up to you know, he calls himself, I am the reason why they wrote Doc Brown for Back to the Future. And he was this wacky scientist guy up in a, a shack, you know, in property in upstate New York in the mountains. I love so those I went guys. To his place. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have so many stories on this. So I went up to his name was Preston Nichols. Um, most of these gentlemen have passed away. Uh, so Preston, after showing me his lab, and his healing machine and all allegedly derived from alien technology had switches everywhere. He was playing Jimi Hendrix and wanted me to go in the healing machine and said it would change my DNA and everything. Said that he was the guy that after the kids were recruited and they were beaten half to death and a lot of them died in these procedures, that he would start to rebuild them into these mind-controlled, and a lot of the cases, assassins. Now, if you do some research, and this is what started to encourage me to believe that these things might have been real at Montauk, because at first I really didn't. I was just interested in hearing these old guys tell me stories. And um, if you look up Holmesburg Prison, uh, that's exactly what was happening there. And there was a gentleman named Alan Hornblum who wrote a book called Acres of Skin. And they were lying under false pretenses, approaching the prisoners in the prison and saying, Here's 20 bucks. We want to test this bubble bath on you. Also, we want to test this, um, this, uh, this drug on you. They were injecting these guys with high amounts of hallucinogens, and they were doing the same experiments on them. They were trying to turn them into mind-controlled assassins. And Alan Hornblum's a real guy. He's not some wacky dude living in his backyard. He's a respected author and 
I believe he has a PhD and he's, you know, he, he's tried to expose these things. These things have happened all over. So in the nineties, here's another one. Bill Clinton was apologizing for the government, the deep government facets of the past, you know, 30 years before. And he said, that wasn't us. It was these guys. And I want to apologize for them. Now, what he had in the forefront when Clinton apologized were some of the gentlemen from the Tuskegee medical experiments that were literally and knowingly given syphilis over time. They were told they were given free medical care. This is our government that did this. And um, they gave syphilis to their families. They were dying from this stuff. I mean, that's sick, man. That really happened. But during that time, Clinton was just focusing on the Tuskegee gentlemen. There was, there was several people who were approaching Congress. There were hearings. And there was a woman named Christina Dinacola who came out and said, no, these were not radiation experiments. These were mind control experiments. So there's so much evidence, ultimately, to prove that that really weird um, chapter in this Montauk story is so believable. And there's so much to support that thing that it, not that I'm disregarding the idea of extraterrestrials or time travel or anything like that. I believe that's a very real thing too. We just haven't, we haven't had that in front of us collectively, that tangible evidence, but these mind control programs have been proven. And what I think is possible is that uh, the gentlemen who wrote the Montauk books were trying to tell the true story, but they were afraid at that time that they may have been killed or, you know, they let that information out. Now everyone's talking about stuff like that. And it seems like there's conspiracy theories thrown left and right, and you don't know what to believe. And I definitely have, you know, raised my eyebrows several times at what's been happening in the last three years alone, because there's a lot of odd behavior in the governments, you know, in the world. A lot of weird things being said, strange behavior and how they encourage us to do things. It's hard not to be paranoid and especially being immersed in this Montauk thing all these years. But those programs are very real. So I think it was 2017 or 2018, I went with History Channel, made a sequel to Montauk Chronicles. But this time, see, where, where Montauk Chronicles is a character study on the gentleman I'm telling you about, and you learn about the story they're telling. Um, the Dark Files was an investigation. You know, I, they, they put a CIA, CIA guy with me, who's ex-CIA, he's now an author, and a guy from the Washington Post, he was supposed to be the skeptic. But the greatest thing about that show is that we went to Holmesburg Prison, talked to Alan Hornblum, and then we went back to Montauk with um, a geophysical group. Uh, and they analyzed the ground with ground-penetrating radar and something called electric resistivity imagery that actually showed in a vertical slice in one area of the base that there is an underground facility there. Not just, you know, sewer caps or, you know, something that might normally be under the ground. This was an enormous structure. He asserted, uh, Mike from GeoView asserted, a geophysicist, uh, that there was this enormous structure there that has been denied every single time you approach the government about it. They said, oh, there's no way it could even be there. A lot of weird stuff I could tell you about, right? You know, <laughs> we'll keep going, but. I could be here forever telling you this, but that's essentially what it was, a deep underground base operation that I truly believe there were the same mind control experiments that were happening in Holmesburg prison were happening in, in the ground, deep beneath the ground in Montauk. Well, I'll tell you, first of all, you don't have to apologize for going on because people love it and you're here to talk about it. So it's all good. That's what podcasting is all about. Uh, so let me ask you, uh, did you or anybody like if there if if there's a it under, if you've been able to pinpoint yes there's actually something there underground why can't we get to it is it is it off limits or or is it like we don't know how to get down that far what's the reasoning because I mean it, it's like hey a building has a basement you should have stairs somewhere to get to it right sure so there are guardians at that base caretakers of the base um, parks department guys who I believe are paid to keep everyone away. So when I was making Montauk Chronicles, I was a renegade. I'm hopping the fence with a backpack. My buddy's looking out for me. I'm out there shooting all this stuff by myself. Um, I go in the middle of the night. I'm, I'm, you know, in the dead of winter. But 
when you shoot for History Channel, you have to alert them of your presence. You have to get permits for everything you're doing. And so for the dark files, we had all this geophysical equipment. We had all these people there. We had restrictions. We went to places, a couple of places we weren't supposed to go. And I can tell you what we found. But um, there was this guy, Tom Des. He's constantly keeping people out of there. That's his job. But he was, no, you're not going past the fence to use this equipment. You're not going here. You're not going there. And we couldn't, you know, we just couldn't for the show. We just were restricted. After that, did an episode of Ancient Aliens and they tried to get the permits. What I think happened was they saw my name on there and figured we were going to come back with geophysical equipment and they didn't grant the permits to Prometheus Entertainment that makes Ancient Aliens. We still did the episode, but we didn't go do the investigation. The last time I was there was for my show Strange World, just the first episode. And um, they, we were so restricted. They wouldn't let us use any equipment. They wouldn't let us check the same way again. And so one of the things that happened when we were making the dark files that I think sparked their, their, their focus on me to make sure we don't do that again, <laughs> we were scheduled to bring equipment there and look around the base. And out of the blue, the Army Corps of Engineers, this is the dead of winter. There's like 60 different Army Corps of Engineers scientists walking around the base, testing soil, drilling, doing all this stuff. was all meant, I believe, to keep us away from any area where we could see this structure. Because regardless of what anyone says, whether it be giant praying mantis people, which has been set as underneath there, uh, Junior, the monster that came from the other dimension, or you know, the corpses of kids or just any of those stories, as long as you can prove that there's a giant structure underneath there, a base, you're pretty much proving everything else, at least, at least the mind control experiments, at least the fact that the government, the U.S. government is trying to hide something. Because if once again, just like the Tuskegee medical experiments or just like Holmesburg prison, they were taking, or many other times before, by the way, that, that have been proven, they were taking um, human subjects off the streets, kids, runaway kids, and otherwise, you know, there's a lot to answer for. There's a lot to answer for. That means people were murdered. And, you know, saying this stuff, I think intelligence is, is the biggest threat. The fact that we're having this conversation, you know, people ask me, are you afraid that someone's going to keep you from doing something? Maybe they have already. I don't know. A lot of weird stuff has happened over the years. Um, nothing so blatant, you know, I'm still here, I'm breathing, but I think intelligence and an intelligent conversation is the greatest threat. They want to turn this into entertainment purposes only, you know, and, and stranger things is a great show, but stranger things is for entertainment purposes only. And now that base is a place where everyone visits because of the fiction. They're like, this is Hawkins labs. This is great. This is the thing that inspired it. And there are tourists there constantly going there and taking pictures and rightfully so they love the show and they want to go there and see what inspired the show but nobody has gone back with that geophysical equipment that particular geophysical equipment that would prove there's a giant structure underneath that base a hundred percent and at least you can say well you've been lying about the structure all these years i'm starting to assume safely assume you know probability is high enough that that you did other things in there you know, uh, I agree with you on uh, on all the all, all all the reasons why they they are doing what they're doing with this property. Uh, the The idea that they were they were um, that that they're allowing tours going on right now uh, to you does that do, do you feel like there's even a structure there to find anymore? Do you think they could have Build it in by now and just call it called it a day, and that's why they're comfortable doing the tours there. Or is the tours more of a um, a controlled environment so they don't have to worry about people wandering off because it's 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 guided, I'm assuming, and 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 very controlled. I think very few people have the access to the electric resistivity imagery and stuff like that, and so it requires. So the way it's done is that. There, there are these electrodes pounded into the ground or into the pavement. You have to go into the area, number one, where this thing might be underneath. And, you know, there's several different computers that have to be set up. I mean, it's a whole operation. 
And so you'll be drawing a lot of attention from the parks department and they'll shut you down immediately. So they feel confident in that. However, you could get away with it. If you go on a day, you sneak in backpacks, you hop the fence, it's dead of winter. You go much closer to the base itself and you try to be discreet. I think you could pull it off or in the middle of the night. Now, do you, do I think that they've somehow covered up a layer or something that could block that technology? I guess that's possible, but uh, this is an enormous structure. And I saw them doing drilling, you know, the, the, the army Corps of engineers, they were, I think that was more of a distraction to keep us away, but, um, it's possible. I don't think they could extract the structure that's underneath there I, I, without, you know, <laughs> a major operation. I mean, like, you know, everybody would know. Um, well, uh, could on they that, fill in the ground with something that blocks the so on the, the radar? On that note, though, uh, I mean, ha, do do you have any uh, knowledge or uh, maybe assumptions on how it, that structure got put there? Then, I mean, because it had to be a very major construction at some point in order to put it there. Uh, have you ever come across anybody saying that they they saw it being built or or anything like that, or was that kind of done in secret as well? Yeah, it must have been done in secret and not sure when. Now, the way it's configured is so, you know, some one guy once told me, oh, there's nothing, you're just going to strike water if you dig five feet. Well, you've never been there because this thing is on a giant 50 foot cliff overlooking the ocean. It's huge. The hill is enormous. Um, So something could fit underneath that hill for sure. Uh, But no, I don't. there's no record. It's definitely been kept under wraps. It's and and hey, I understand secrecy within the government. They could be developing things that might protect us or technologies that they need to hide from other militaries. I get it. But the thing that has inspired me to want to look into this or encourage other people to reveal this is that if kids were being kidnapped off the street and murdered in this base, that's a different story. And that's we need a change of leadership if that's the case, because they've been doing this for years and we don't want those people. Uh, we can't trust those people running the show. You know, it should be uncovered. Yeah. Um, it's dangerous because obviously they don't want anyone to know about it. And like MK ultra experiments or these other experiments, it came out against their will. The, the government did not want people to know the previous chapters of government were doing this. Um, and so I firmly believe that there's still weird things going on for sure, you know. What, there or just in general? In general, but I, I don't know. This is the thing, well, that's why I say allegedly all the time. We have not been able to prove it. However, that, that one piece of information that came from GeoView proves that there is a giant structure there that's not supposed to be there for sure. Did I prove there was an enormous base under there? No, you know, just that vertical slice. But that's what the geophysicist said. He's like, this is only a vertical slice and I'm already seeing an enormous structure underneath the ground. And this is a man-made structure because he found elements of iron ore, which is rebar. And, you know, these are walls built. He said, there's a ceiling and it's, you know, that ceiling is 25 feet down. And from the ceiling to the ground inside the structure is another 30 feet. That's what he was seeing. And again, it was a bridge somewhat for the two hour special for history channel, but I was there, I mean, and I always wanted it to be real. I never wanted to fake it or, you know, that's not what I'm interested in. And there was more of a push to do that on my show, Strange World, which I, you know, I like the show and all, but it's just so much better when you're not faking anything. Yeah, I know. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. And that's why like, like b- building my show from the beginning, you know, cause I, I'm, I'm driving around Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in a tractor trailer trying to game plan. What do I want my podcast to sound like? And what should it be about? You know? And I, I always just came back to the, the, the foundation of true stories, real stuff, real conversation. That's why I, I strive to, and I say I strive, meaning I still strive for this to be as close to uh, a Joe Rogan type paranormal podcast as possible because uh, I enjoy just the authentic back and forth conversation of people just coming on and talking. Uh, and and I, I think a lot of people enjoy that as well, obviously. Uh, For sure. Now, with this whole thing, let, let, let's let's put aside the the more sci-fi stuff. Let's just stay on the brain, the the uh, mind control topic here. Uh, the the other stuff, by the way, uh, I dig it. I love that stuff. And <laughs> and you're talking to a guy that, well, 
Maybe I'll say maybe. Uh, same, same. So with the with the mind control stuff, uh, first of all, the Bill Clinton uh, reference you had earlier and stuff. I was under the assumption that when he was talking, he was talking about MK Ultra. Are you saying that he was talking about Tuskegee the whole time with that whole apology? Yeah, because the gentleman, right? It, he was focusing on that, and the gentleman, and and that was horrible in itself. I mean, think about it; it's, it's not that much different. It's just as screwed up. Yeah. Uh, but the gentleman standing next to him was a survivor of the Tuskegee medical experiments when he was explaining that. And he did side reference some of the other things, but he wasn't focusing on that because he didn't want everyone else to focus on that. Uh, but simultaneously, there were hearings happening at that time where people were tied, not just MK Ultra, but things that happened after other programs. Those programs were all over. And it makes you wonder, like, what was the end game in this? And some of the people in the Montauk Project or other people I talked to said, the end game is the people you see running out, you know, arbitrarily just going out shooting people. Like, that's what you're seeing, you know? Yeah. You're seeing assassins. You're seeing people run out and, and disrupting our way of being. Do you think it's just simply, it's in to go out and shoot people and die by cop? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, there's something weird about that. It, it, you have to question it. Why? Why in such abundance? Why, if it's just human nature, why haven't we, we just copied people doing that all the time, you know? It ha and it happens all in clusters as well. Uh, and, and this is something, I'm glad you brought this up actually, because it's something I haven't talked about on my show recently at all, actually. Um, with, with, with these shootings and stuff, so, so one would say, well, so with going back to MK Ultra and the idea that it's been discontinued and stuff, like I don't personally believe that at all. I believe that if anything, they just call, call officially by a different name, and they they can like, why would they why would they stop just because they think people know about it? Like just call just change the cover of the book, keep the contents going, and if right. that's true then you look at these these shooters and stuff because a lot of them are young guys i mean they they weren't at montauk uh but that said if the programming is still happening maybe even new tactics of programming which i go with on the whole mainstream media stuff uh i think there is mass uh programming and manipulation done to people through media their entire lives and there are certain people who are like, like when I say mass, I mean everybody. Uh, and then there are certain people in that mass group of people that are specific types of people that when they're exposed to that kind of manipulation, it does something different to their brain. And so yes. when you start throwing trigger words out during election season, like we need more gun, gun control, we need this, we need that. There's certain things that click in people's heads and all of a sudden you have these, these psychopaths it conveniently at the right time when all of a sudden we're just all of a sudden it's hot topic in the cut in the in the news and media today and all oh look we got a mass shooter oh next weekend we got another one how about that and it just keeps going it's like they're they're you're 100 right you're and, and and what you're talking about was first developed in these programs they found out what you just deciphered in these programs by using human subjects saying this is how they're going to react now let's put it into play in the public now let's use this for because what are these experiments for they're being developed for some kind of use they just need to understand how they can apply it and now what i believe and for some years now is it's being applied you're seeing it happening before our eyes you know what they were developing is now being applied that's a theory but you know it makes sense it's fact in my book and on this show it's fact like <laughs> <laughs> uh no, but I, uh, I I agree, and I even think that's it's happening not just on our national level, but a global level. Uh, and you were re referencing the the Nazis and things like that. I mean, this is stuff that that I think is happening globally, and uh, it really might have a, a big say as to why the world is the way it is today. Uh, now, with 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 the idea of Stranger Things, uh, how how connected have you been to that show with what you've done? And I asked that question, uh, referencing me, basically has anybody with stranger things ever reached out to you to pick your brain as far as like your research into the topic or anything like that? No, unofficially. I mean, clearly they saw, I mean, my documentary is out way before they even developed the idea. They saw it, you know, my trailers were out years before and they were getting a lot of press. I mean, Huffington post was, 
hosting my trailers years ago, you know, yeah. years before Stranger Things was even developed. So I obviously had some kind of, because I was the only person to interpret that book and the look of it did leak into Stranger Things a little bit from Montauk Chronicles. And, you know, there are people who then juxtapose scenes from Montauk and scenes from Stranger Things, and there's some identical things. But that happens all the time, man. I'm, I'm inspired by Italian horror films. I'm inspired by Spielberg and Kubrick and all these great, Spike Lee, you know, all these incredible filmmakers. And uh, we get influenced by stuff. So I didn't, Stranger Things is very much its own show, and I like it. Um, there was a gentleman who made a short film after I put my movie out and he tried to sue Stranger Things. And then the press was interviewing me about that saying, you know, how do you feel about this? I said, he should go and make a movie. Stop, you know, stop trying to sue people. Well, while I have you, let me tell you about Montauk, <laughs> Montauk Chronicles. <laughs> use the you, if they're asking you questions, use that press to promote yourself. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> sure, and I did. You know, I mean, I, you know, networks were already wanting to make shows with me before Stranger Things came out, but yeah. it helped for sure. And you know, whatever. I mean, I'm not <laughs> sue them for what? <laughs> yeah, I, I think sometimes people get. Uh, I, I honestly think people think that sometimes that they're more important in the grand scheme of things than what they really are. And so they, they place more importance than what they have. They should on what they do. Uh, not saying that our work is unimportant, but listen, like I've had, I've had things happen over the fact the last six years of me doing this, uh, where, you know, I felt a certain way about certain things. Like I felt like maybe I, I was kind of taken advantage of, or somebody scooped me on something after I told them about certain things that I told them in confidence uh, and I, all of a sudden I, sh I see it popping up to other places. I'm like, oh, isn't that interesting? Uh, but at the end of the day, it's my job to create cool crap. And so that's why on my, on my Instagram, that's what I say in my bio, I create cool crap. You know, so if somebody, if somebody scoops me on it, it is what it is. I'm just going to have to go find something else to create even better, you know, and uh, challenge <laughs> accepted. It. Yeah, they're going to listen. They're going to, if you're doing something good, they're going to steal from you. I mean, I see the, I look, sometimes I'm doing things and all of a sudden I see it in other network shows, even some of their advertisements. You're like, what is he doing now? It's like, well, I don't want to work with you anymore. <laughs> I don't mind collaborating with a network down the road. It has to be good, though. There has to be a reason for it. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm salty, man. I don't, you know, I have, I'm not enchanted by, oh my God, a network wants to work with me. Woo. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make my stuff. There, we have this great opportunity right now uh, to create your stuff and then distribute it to the world. And if you want to talk about finances, all that stuff's going to come back to you. Whereas you have this set, um, you know, this this set uh, salary that'll be paid by the network, and it doesn't change. That's it. You might be able to increase it a little bit depending on how your show does, but it's you're at the mercy of them. They can sit and tell you, you're the new face of the network. Trust me, I've heard it. And then some guy will wake up on the wrong side of the bed for some reason and pull your advertising because they're afraid of the success of the show. And they know if you get advertising, this is going to be a big success. So that happens. I don't want to be at the mercy of that. I want to be in control of my hard work, where it goes, who sees it. And guess what? They don't want you to know this. But if you break through, and, and that'll be through your hard work, creativity, everything you're applying you can do so much better than you ever would working with them ever yeah, I, and reach more people. It, it sounds like you're describing uh, the cats out of the bag and they're scrambling, trying to keep it a secret, you know? Uh, it, Look at them. They're falling apart. These networks. Yeah. Yeah. The, the industry has to change. It has to evolve. Uh, they know it deep in their heart. They're just trying to hold on to the old model because it's been so great for them. Uh, but I look at it in a very similar vein as uh, the sports industry with college athletes. So for years, people have been like, college athletes need to get paid. If you're making this much money off their abilities, they need to get paid. And they're like, oh, well, it's a free scholarship. It's like, eh, that's, that's cute. But we're talking about the value of what, $200,000, $300,000 over a four-year period, whereas you're, you're, make, like, you're making a lot of money. And a lot of those, those athletes, they, you, over time, you learn that they're not interested in getting a degree. They're there for one year, maybe two, 
and they're trying to go professional and they're jumping ship. They're not interested in that. And so what we saw, and whether you're for that or against it, I really don't care. Um, it, it's, it's Listen, I, I, don't, I don't really care what other people do with their money. I don't care how other people make their money. It's not my business. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, the industry of college sports had to change. They saw the writing on the wall and they changed. Now athletes can make money and stuff and still be participating in uh, college sports. And it's a similar thing with the entertainment industry. I think we're in a transition period. And I think, like I said before, lack of better terms, old Hollywood is just scrambling, trying to hold on. And eventually they're going to have to, and they will come up with a new model of how to do things that it's more equal and successful for everybody, or else they're just going to wind up dying, uh, dying off because uh, there's people like you and I who can are, are showing we can do this without Hollywood influence. Uh, and and I, sure. I also think that in today's world, especially my audience speaking uh, for my audience, there's a big chunk, a very large chunk of my audience who is starving for content that isn't coming from these places because of what is driving these uh, these executives and down to the spiritual nature coming out of the, the industry. So th- there's a lot of people that are like, you know what? I don't feel very safe turning on the Disney channel anymore for my children. And I'm hungry for something that I can give my kids to, to consume that isn't coming from those people. And so uh, they're shooting themselves in the foot a lot these days. They are. This is a true revolution. You know, when you're in the middle of it, it's hard to step back from the campus and see it. But as you know, history and you do, you can, I know you know what's going on and oh, yeah. what you're doing. That's the reason why you're so successful is because it's a it's part of a revolution. And so if you were going to work or collaborate with a network, just stand your ground. I'll do the same. I mean, like I've had a lot of offers since 2020 and I and I'm not trying to be offensive to people that want to work with me. I'm just saying, listen, I'm going to do a much better job. Let me create these models. Then you can take a look at them and if you want to collaborate with me on a very similar thing, let's do it. If not, that's okay too. I, you know, my goal in life is not to win an Emmy or an Academy Award. That's for people, that's for your ego. That is not because your desire to create, affect an audience or even make money. That is literally like, I'm going to take this statue to the grave. To me, I would throw it in the garbage or give it to my mother. Like I, yeah. I don't, I think that's against the energy that I'm creating every day. Because what you're saying is I'm not validated until I win that stupid statue. No, man, you got to yeah. wake up. That's not, that's not what this is. I agree a hundred percent. There's like, and with the industry, there's, this is the way I look at it. Okay. Um, they have something that I want. I want their money so I can do more. Okay. I want their money so I can do a big project because, and, but they, but they want me because of what I've done, what I've created and what we, what I'm able to create. And so it just needs to be, in my mind, a very simple thing. You give me your money. I'm going to make something really cool. I'm going to give it to you and you can broadcast it to everybody, put the commercials on or whatever you got to do, make your money. But it's that, that's his bottom line is where I'm at. I'm just like, I create something cool with the money you give me. And then we all are happy, you know, but uh, tell them, tell them straight, let them know exactly what you want in the beginning and get it on paper. Yeah, it, that's it. Papers. And even then they might try and change it. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, oh, you didn't read the backside of the left corner of <laughs> the paper in the smallest yeah. writing. Uh, yeah. I'll bring my magnifying glass to the sit down. Uh, but must. yeah. So uh, let, let's, uh, let's switch gears here a little bit. Uh, and I did bring this up a little bit. And I don't want you don't need to go into great detail about it, but uh, it was the very first time that it has ever been brought across my desk by somebody else outside of myself. Uh, years ago, I came across the story of, and I think it's pronounced Polybius, that video game system mm-hmm. in Portland. I think it was in Portland, uh, but or maybe the story circles around out there. But definitely a Portland story. Yeah, yeah. yeah so like. I remember, I, 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 maybe it was a listener. Somebody tipped me off to the story and I found something to listen to while I was driving with it and I like binged on. I was like, this is, maybe it's a podcast. Maybe there's a podcast called Polybius or something that's, that started it. I don't know. But like, I was totally taken back by it and then I found out that it wasn't real. But is it real? Like you've talked to some people that maybe have different opinions on it or what? 
So that's a really good question. So if you if you talk to a committed skeptic, he's going to tell you it's not real. But that's what he does. Is he has a very narrow way of thinking. And I'm referring to somebody that I talked to, nice guy and all, but this is what he does for a living. I'm a skeptic. Okay, good. Let's not talk about weird shit. And so, but but I talked to Noel Bushnell, who is the co-founder of Atari, and he believes that it's very possible because the government was working with Atari. And asking them how are they designing their games, making suggestions, um, you know, either for simulating training for a tank, or can we give you some suggestions? Can we work with you? So these stories come from somewhere. And with all of these mind control projects out there, what better way to manipulate the youth? What better way to manipulate the masses? People were going to arcades and droves at that time. You know, why not? Definitely keep an open mind to it. But when you have the co-founder of Atari suggesting that this could be a very real thing, was Polybius itself real? I have no idea. But the concept of manipulation in these games for the purpose of manipulating the player and suggesting something to them is real. That's definitely a thought in the minds of designers and in the the U.S. government, at least, and I'm sure elsewhere. Um, So... You know, you speak to people, and what did I go? I, I did an episode of my show, Strange World. So not only did I speak to Noel Bushnell of Atari, I spoke to several scientists who were developing games to play with the mind now. Think about Neuralink for a second. That is, there's so many beneficial ideas attached to that. Elon Musk is going to introduce that for human purchase within a year or two. And everyone's going to end up getting it now. The sale to us is going to be very tempting because, yes, it'll stimulate things. It'll help with tinnitus. It'll help increase abilities for people that are slightly on the spectrum or or even further on it. Um, But it's also going to be sold for entertainment. It's going to be the matrix eventually. You know, you're going to have this thing installed in your head. They're going to make it really cheap $2,000 for the hardware. That includes the daytime operation. And you walk out and you're a cyborg and it's happening. And most people are going to submit to that because who isn't going to want to, it's going to be like total recall. You're going to just be like, where do I want to go? I want to be on a yacht with 50 women and a party and everything. And I mean, I'm just saying most people take that and say, I I just worked 15 hours, you know, on road construction today. I'm going to go have some fun. See ya. And then everyone's going to check out and go there. Because they're not going to know the difference, you know, I, I, between reality. I, I so much agree with you. Uh, I listen when, when this kind of revolutionary stuff comes out and is what you said cheap. It's because you're the product. It's not because the product's cheap. It's because they want the product to buy, give them money to be the experiment. And uh, yes. I, I, um, I want to say on this side of time and on this side of Neuralink and all those kind of things that I would not get it because I have very deep concerns about it. But there might be a day that comes where I freaking get it. And I, and I don't know how or why I, I, on this side of it, I'm just like, no, I'm not getting it. But as these, how these things go off and it's like, they present something down the road that maybe I have no choice in the matter. I have to do it. You know, way that maybe they build a system or an economy around these kind of things, so that if you literally, if you can, if you need to survive, it, it, it's literally a matter of survival. Like when it comes to um, currencies and the digital currency that they're going to be dropping here, and I think they're even talking about this year, December. I think they were talking about roll, starting to roll it out, like. Wow. Like when we're talking about getting rid of paper money and going digital, it's it it, it sounds convenient until you start looking into the fact that there that this this mo this money is programmable. They can program it, and they can they can give your money more value or less value than somebody else. And when they're talking about making the, this whole currency exchange equitable, we're talking about you you're no longer. Hey, being like here, here's the the uh, the 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 weight of the digital currency in your efforts. It's no longer measured like that, and and so it, it's a very dangerous thing that 
I'm on this side of things. I'm like, I would never want to, uh, to, to participate in that. I don't want it. But at the, at the end of the day, if you are going to buy anything, you're going to have to have digital currency. And so, uh, it, it's things like that, that kind of like keep me up at night and scare the hell out of me. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, with, with Neuralink, it, it's, it's in this similar vein. I, I, I don't want it. I don't have any plans on getting it. Uh, but you know, as a father, I got two kids, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Uh, it's easy if I was just me and my wife and I'm just like, no, we're not gonna get, it. I'd rather starve to get to that, to death than get something like that. Right. But at the end of the day, am I willing to watch my children starve to death? But well, surely it's not going to get to that point. Well, maybe it does, but also maybe they view you as somebody and they portray you through manipulation of the media as an extremist that is abusing their children by not letting them eat. And so they take your children away. And so now it's like, all right, so am I willing to watch them come and take my children away and put my children in a system that I don't agree with? Uh, and then it's like, then somebody could say, well, I'll never let over my dead body. No, literally over your dead body. And then your kids are put in the system anyway. So I, at some point you, you look at things and you're like, you know, if they push the right buttons, hmm, I might be willing, <laughs> I might be willing to do it's, certain it's things. It's going to be the great temptation because it's your, as far as your imagination can go, yeah. not many things have that phrase attached to it. That this is literally as far as your imagination can go. Think about all of the endless possibilities, including it repairing things in you, like Parkinson's disease. And, yeah. You know, it, it's going to be hard to not take it eventually. You know, what you just said about Parkinson's, uh, I just saw this video of him uh, yesterday. So uh, Michael J. Fox, uh, he, he's deteriorating big time. And so yeah. it, it, it would be people like him. Now, I'm not saying he's getting, I don't know, but I'd imagine he probably has probably doesn't have a problem with that. He's, I'm assuming he's not as crazy as me with conspiracies and stuff. Uh, so like, say somebody like him gets Neuralink, it cures him. And all of a sudden you see this guy, Michael J. Fox, who we knew from the eighties. You'll this, see it. This beautiful young man who was good looking, athletic, the, the up and coming star taken out by this disease, his entire career off railed. And all of a sudden he's back and he's being oh, yeah. put in movies. And he and it's just like we we're getting the, a dose of Michael J. Fox we've been missing for thirty years. Like that 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 is going to be yeah. a huge sale. Yeah, Ozzy Osbourne does the new Black Sabbath. He's back on stage jumping around after mm -hmm. he gets Neuralink. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but that's okay. So we've been primed for many years to see these people deteriorate, and now we're going to see them come back to life again. It's going to be nearly impossible to resist the the list of things that will come with it. But then it's okay. Now you have relationships, adventures, family, whatever you can imagine is all happening in that other world now. What does it do to this? And what is this anymore? And do we eventually just become part of that upload? Is that, is that what we live for? Yeah. Our houses getting smaller? You know, it's all science fiction has prophesized this. So everything from the Matrix to Strange Days to we can go down the list uh, has predicted this exact thing, you know, Ready Player One, all of it, it, it is, it's happening. It's, it's going to happen. We will be in that matrix and it's and, and a lot of it's going to be amazing, but the other parts of it, the nefarious parts will also exist. You're going to be monitored. Your thoughts will be monitored. You're going to have suggestion put into your brain because now you're linked all the time. So you're going to have, you know, McDonald's advertisements in your sleep. That's a, uh, yeah. Yeah. Those will be your dreams. Now you won't have dreams anymore. You're no longer human. And what does that mean for, for the, those of us that believe in a soul? You don't have to be religious to believe in a soul. It's like, we are a soul. There's something else here. Do we become like the Borg in Star Trek eventually? Because now we're just slowly losing our, our front personalities. We don't care anymore about this. What is this? I want to go back in the Neuralink. There's so much there for us. Everything we ever wanted is in there. So I'll work at this job. I'll do whatever I have to do to be this guy who can go into this other world now where I love everything there, including my fake family that lives there and my fake wife and whatever's there, you know, I can be whatever I want to be in that world. That's most of the populace is going to be absorbed by it for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I definitely would be like you. I would resist it for a while because I want to see what's happening, you know, but then you can get sick 
And they're going to say the only cure for that is, of course, Neuralink. You can cure it right now. Yeah. And, and at some point, like, like I also come to the, the, the understanding that, like, hey, at some point I got to die. Like, we all got to die at some point, right? Uh, sure. and, and there are certain things that on a spiritual level, I'm not, like, everybody has those lines. Like, I literally have lines I won't cross. Like, like I know some people say that and, and they're like, eh, you know, like, you know, oh, we're drawing a red line here and then we keep backing it up. Like, I literally have lines I won't cross. And so if I ever get a sense that something is, as a Christian, the mark of the beast, like, like listen, I've already preconditioned myself for years before my kids even existed and continue to, that if something like that were happen, I am like, I'm not, listen, it, whatever, with my kids, my wife, it doesn't matter. I have certain convictions. I'm not going to go down, right? But if I don't feel like this is a spiritual thing, I draw those lines, but I also know that that line I'm willing to cross because of certain other things, mainly my family and my kids. Like, is it going sure. to affect them kind of thing? Um, and so those are, those are lines that everybody has to draw individually. And that's the thing that, 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 that people have to understand. They get all up in arms and they get grumpy with everybody else. And they're like, oh, how could you? Everybody has their own thresholds and we have to respect that. You know, certain people are all about it. Oh, yeah. And, and, and that, and, hey, that's their life. Like, we, we get so mad about governments telling us what we can and cannot do, what we can and cannot say. But then we turn around and do the same freaking thing to people we don't agree with. And so it's just like, listen, I don't freaking care. It's your life. You do what you want to do. I have my lines. You have your lines. That's it, you know? And I guess that's my, 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 uh, my little monologue there just so that the audience understands. <laughs> Save your emails, okay? I'm not even going to see them anyways. Any nasty emails that come in, my wife deletes them before I see them because she knows always time <laughs> responding. So, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, man, listen, this is a good conversation. It kind of took different uh, directions that I wasn't expecting and it's, it's, it's kind of uh, refreshing. I didn't, I, you know, I, I didn't know, uh, you know, I, what angles we were going to go with and stuff, but uh, that's kind of what we do anyways with the show. I just sit down with people and say, all right, let's go. Let's, have, let's see where it goes. That's what it is. It's a great conversation. I think we talked about some important stuff today. Definitely things to consider because we're on the precipice of the things we're talking about and the other things are, could be happening, are happening. I don't know. Yeah. Depends on what, you, what your insight is. You know what? Before, we, before I get out of here, it's just hit me. This is a great example. Uh, I, when, when, uh, when Facebook came out, as met, it came out as Meta and they came out with the Oculus, uh, there's a lot of conspiracy guys. They're like, I'm not getting that. I'm not, and I said, I'm going to get it. And they're like, why? How could you? I'm like, well, how could I not? Like, should, like, like do, do I believe that it is going to turn me into a raging psychopath? No. Do I think that I could learn a lot about the future of technology and the dystopian future I say I believe is coming? Could I learn a lot by having that technology in my hands and understanding how it works? Yeah. And so uh, I got Oculus for that reason. I wanted to see how easy could this, this really become part of our life? And let me tell you something, just the Oculus, and it is baby right now. It is nothing. The, like, I have one. So, yeah. Like I, I almost brought it into the office today because I thought I'd be bored. Like, you know? No, it's great. Well, think about what we can do in there. That's the thing. Like, and I know you have. Um, so we could screen our, our documentaries in there, in big screen, set a private room, start inviting people in the, in the lobby. You can walk in and talk to all these people. Say, hey, guys, you want to watch a great doc? Punch into room, bop, 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 or put it on your social media. And anyone that has an Oculus is now in the theater with us. You can introduce the film. And we're all watching it on a big screen together from all different parts of the world. We could do that right now. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we need to talk after this. <laughs> yeah, I, man. Oh, yeah, my. we should. We should do a little film festival in there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I <laughs> uh, didn't know that. See, we're learning things together here on The Confessionals. Anyways, um, before I take another hour, uh, before, before we get out of here, though, uh, tell people where they can find you and your podcast, any future projects you're working on. Tell them where to tune in. Sure. You can look me up anywhere. Um, my name is Christopher Garatano. You can go to my YouTube channel, Garatano7, G-A-R-E-T-A-N-O, number seven. Um, my podcast is Off to the Witch, and you can find it just about anywhere where you find your podcasts. Uh, just look it up. Uh, I have to revamp my website, but it is offtothewitch.com. And um, I have a new uh, docuseries coming out called Off to the Witch Presents. And the name of it, the first one, is A Haunting We Will Go, a kind of a fresh and traditional perspective at the same time on hauntings. 
and definitely the antithesis to what you keep seeing on these shows, these ghost hunting shows. No offense, but they've been done to death, and I wanted to do something fresh. So that's the first in the series. And uh, I've got a lot of other projects happening, but just keep an eye out. Try to follow me on social media. I'm on all the, all the good stuff, I guess. And, uh, you know, hope to see you soon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I appreciate you being here. Anybody listening, uh, just look into the description of this episode. All the links are going to be there. And uh, yeah, thanks for being here, man. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy, please share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show. Just share the show if you enjoyed it, because that's the best thing you can do to help the show grow. And go ahead and check out those links in the description for Christopher Garantano. Make sure that you hit him up on social media. I'm definitely going to make sure I put the Instagram in there for you guys so you can go follow him on Instagram. Instagram is my favorite platform, so I like pushing everybody else on Instagram as well. All right, friends, until next week, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free. But first, I'll piss you off. Bye.